Hey, Cloudcast listeners. Before we get to today's show, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is Datadog. Now, you know we've been talking about Datadog for a while now. It's the monitoring platform for cloud-scale infrastructure and applications. But did you know that Datadog seamlessly integrates with your AWS environments? So you can start monitoring EC2, RDS, ECS, and all your other AWS services in minutes. You can visualize key metrics, set alerts to identify anomalies, and collaborate with your team to troubleshoot and fix issues fast. So if you want to figure out how Datadog can help your AWS environment, Try it yourself for free by starting a free 14-day trial today. If you go to datadog.com slash cloudcast, not only can you start your free 14-day trial, but you get a free Datadog t-shirt. So go out to datadog.com slash cloudcast, sign up for your free 14-day trial, start monitoring your AWS environment, and get your free t-shirt. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to The Cloudcast. Uh, it's actually both of us uh, for the intro this week. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, man. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, yeah, we had one of those rare weeks where, where we were both in town, so we figured, you know, not only were we both on for the guests, but we're actually going to do the news together this week as well. I, th- I think this is only a first, maybe second. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, hey, it's 2019. It's always good for new things. So, yeah, That's it's good, right. good to talk about a little bit of news. It's been, it's been an interesting news year because it's like every week, um, I mean, A, there's some news, but B, that it seems to bounce around, which is sort of nice. It's not always the same thing year after year. So where would you like to start with the news? Well, it, it seems like a little bit of Google news this week. Um, Google's kind of getting into the uh, hybrid cloud platform game. Um, they're they're kind of doing a beta of uh, the, the Google uh, platform. I, I, what is the best way to approach this or think about this, Brian? Um, well, you know, at, at Next, they announced what they called uh, GKE on-prem. So they, you know, they took the same approach that a number of the big cloud providers are, which is, uh, we're going to try and emulate some of our public cloud services um, on some hardware and software in the customer's data center. Um, it looks like, especially now with the new CEO being there, they're trying to, to expedite this. Originally, it was just going to be Kubernetes and some of the, the things around Kubernetes. Now it looks like they're trying to expand that footprint um, just in terms of services, which I think everybody sort of expected. You can't just uh, expect every one of your customers to run Kubernetes. So um I think the interesting piece here is they're now hearing uh, the new CEO talk about what's going on, and he's probably obviously telling them to expedite some of those services, move them out of alpha into beta. Yeah, and and along those same lines, uh, in addition to that, uh, you know, he's kind of making some differences already. He pulled out his checkbook this week. So Google uh, announced an intent to acquire Aluma. Um, and the the easiest way to think about this, and we'll, of course, we'll have a link in the show notes, but um it's all about cloud cloud migrations, and that actually is a a, a topic uh, with our guest um, here uh, coming up after the cloud news. But it's interesting to me that that you know the two big areas they're pushing, um, you know that that Thomas Kurian in, in particular is pushing is isn't necessarily the services in the cloud. You know, one of them is going for hybrid cloud, and one of them is going for cloud migrations. Yeah. No, I. You know, it's it's like you like to say all the time. It's um, you know, shiny stuff is is fun and cool, but you know, you got to go follow the money. And a lot of times, the money is in um, you know, boring legacy stuff and and you know, modernizing legacy stuff. So they're, you know, Kurian is definitely going after business that he knows, which is you know, databases and stuff that's been around for a while, and and trying to to move money from from one vendor's pocket into their pocket. Yep, absolutely, and and. 
thirdly, on Cloud News, we actually have something uh, not Google related, but but it's been, uh, you know, as we've talked about, it's been a really good year for venture capital and, and funding rounds, probably actually better than we thought coming out of the gate. Uh, and then so um, uh, Menlo, uh, if I remember correctly, but but VC firm just announced um, a five hundred million dollar um, investment fund um, and think of it is the best way to do is it's almost like very reactive to, and they've said as much SoftBank, you know, reactive to SoftBank and the vision fund and these, these now these big funds that are investing in, you know, millions to tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars. I I find this really interesting because it's almost like a, you know, this knee jerk reaction or, or just reaction in general that we knew was going to come from SoftBank and SoftBank's big money pockets. It was just a matter of time until somebody reacted. Yeah. And I think the other thing is we're, we're learning and this is just a maturity thing. You can get some of this if you listen to things like the A16Z podcast. I, I think we're seeing more and more at different stages of companies and different rounds of funding um, that, that VCs feel like they have enough experience that they're going to bring more than just money. And so we're seeing these these VC funding and VC niches getting created at like early stage, second stage, third stage, fourth stage, you know, like so forth. And, and I think that's what it is, is. I think they feel like, okay, we know enough about this stage that we can make a difference. And maybe hopefully some of the other later stages get skipped and, and they get to IPO or acquisition faster. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So listen, you know, before we jump to our, uh, to our guests, cause I think that wraps up our news for this week. We definitely got to thank our sponsor, uh, sponsor for this week's cloud news of the week. Um, you know, Aaron, do we know anybody migrating applications to the cloud? It seems like it's happening every day these days, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. So want to thank this week's sponsor, liquid technology, liquid technology really helps companies, uh, you know, in purchasing and decommissioning IT hardware. So if you want to get out of the IT hardware space, um, Liquid Technology is a great choice. They provide secure and off-site data destruction, offers fully compliant and uh, green e-waste recycling solutions. And you know what? Their service is really easy to remember. It's called Cloud Last. So the last thing you're going to think about before you go to the cloud. So to learn more about Liquid Technology Cloud Last services, visit cloudlast.co slash cloudcast. So they've got a great special giveaway for our listeners. If you register and while supplies last, you'll get a free Cloud Last t-shirt and one lucky winner will receive a $100 Amazon gift card. So can't beat that. Um, definitely something if you're looking at migrating to the cloud, especially from the perspective of um, getting out of the hardware business. So Aaron, definitely something that I know our listeners are interested in. And uh, thank you to, uh, to Liquid Technology for sponsoring today's show. So let's get to our guests. We've got a great guest coming up and we look forward Forward to uh, talking to the folks from Second Watch, and we're back. And you know, as you, as you know, folks, uh, you know, we're always we're always trying to cover you know kind of insights as to not only what's going on trend wise, but also really trying to to speak with some people who have great insight into what customers are doing. So you know, Aaron, you know, we've got some friends in the in the community who give us some insights. Sometimes I know you know we we talk to folks about cost modeling cl- cloud and, and other things in cloud, but today we're really excited. Um, you know, we're going to talk to some folks who you know, have been around doing things in the cloud for, for quite a while uh, and have just a tremendous amount of insight. So very, very excited to have Jeff Aiden, who is founder, executive vice president at Second Watch. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks, uh, Brian and Aaron. Um, my name is Jeff Aiden. And just, you know, just to tell you a little bit more about Second Watch, um, founded Second Watch in 2010 during a very rough economy. Um, at the time that uh, coming out of 2008, where 
you know, we had started working with the cloud about 2008. And during that recession, had to find ways to expand our business and grow our business while spending less dollars. And, and we kind of stumbled on the cloud around 2000 with a bunch of marketing activities. And then that actually turned into a business idea and forming the business by 2010 and then up and running with venture capital in 2011. And really our, our, our thesis at the time was, you know, companies will want to do more faster, quicker, the cloud provided that avenue, and the benefit was you would save money and be able to reinvest those dollars to drive revenue and customer experience. And really, that's held true, uh, you know, ever since then. And, and I think as we looked back, you know, in December and saw the stock market dip a little bit, I was reminding people, hey, you know, our business model can survive any stock market uh, turn. Um, in fact, companies may even be more eager to save money after they see something like that and also to attain more customers. Uh, so that's in short kind of how we got started. Um, we really focus around large enterprise. So we help some of the largest brands around the world migrate and um, launch net new applications on the cloud, as well as provide the ongoing management for those. Um, I'll just you know take a step, take a breath there and, and see if you have any questions on, on what we just talked about. Yeah. So, so Jeff, this is Aaron. Um, so we, we originally got to know second watch at, at, one of the very first reInvent shows and they had one of the largest booths on the, on the show floor at the time. And they were also listed as one of the AWS, you know, best partners. And, and if you go look today, second watch provides management tools, migration tools, system integration capabilities. And just as you had, you had mentioned, there's, there's a lot in the tool bag there, if you will. So how does second watch, think of themselves today and what kind of problems are they looking to solve today? Yeah. You know, you mentioned kind of the first reInvent. We were actually even at the first SKO, which uh, Amazon's holding their SKO this week in Las Vegas. So we've been to every one of the SKOs and every one of the, the reInvents that they've had. Man, each has grown considerably. Um, and largely that's where we've seen, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of progress in the market, but we're still seeing some basics. Um, and by that, I mean, migrations are still driving a lot of the business. However, they're moving much quicker. So, um, you know, the old saying used to be lift and shift, and now we're, we're seeing zero day migrations. So the day we start working, we're actually migrating applications. Customers are more comfortable with security, more comfortable with connectivity. Um, they understand the gold standard you know, is, is to be able to move to AWS. Um, we're still seeing a lot of that. Customers um, that are late adopters, you know, need some primers on some of the older information. Um, but we're also seeing customers start to look at next gen and, and being in a position where they can start to look at some next gen applications or tools or workloads um, in products and services. Some of those being containers, some of those being new database Um services or even serverless. Um, but I would say we're long ways in early days still in that, in those development areas. Um, so companies have a long ways to go to get to the ideal state, if you would. Um, and we're still seeing a mixed bag of use out there. Yeah. I, you know, as Aaron said, we've, we've sort of seen second watch evolve quite a bit. Obviously your customer demands evolve. What, you know, the, the question, you know, if we go back to say the, the 2010 days and so forth, um, you know, Amazon was sort of looked at as 
you know, kind of more associated with things like um, shadow IT or lines of business that were going around IT and and so forth. And and obviously, um, you know, we've seen that change. We've seen people, you know, IT is leveraging it, but you know, the lines of business using it. I mean, do you do you find there are certain patterns or or things for certain buyers within organizations that sort of fit in buckets now, as opposed to you know, it being thought of as, as confrontational. I mean, how, how do you guys think about, you, you approach a large company, are there, are there IT things that you bring to them, but also things that you bring to the lines of business that are different? Or how do you think about that? Yeah, um, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I've been fortunate to see Andy Jassy speak a number of times. And, you know, if you go back into 2012, really was where the momentum started for AWS. And definitely selling and talking to the developers, DevOps, Shadow IT. This year at reInvent, you know, it, it, it jumped out at me, and I think others caught on down the road. But Andy was using the term builders. And they had started using this term last year, and I, I, I keyed in on it. But it, I don't think I heard him once say DevOps or the business units. He was definitely talking about builders. And they're they're trying to position, obviously, that, hey, it's not shadow IT, it's not central IT, it's not mode one, it's not mode two. We're all builders. We're trying to create something better. Um, you know, it's going to take a while for that to catch on, but, but that's definitely, you know, a number of ways to articulate that. And it's always been kind of our approach where we work with central IT and work with business units, regardless of what you call them and try to show and, and explain to them how strategic both of those roles can become when they're working together. So no longer having to uh, worry about if the lights are on, um, they're more worried about, you know, or, or more thinking around how can they manage it with automation. Um, and so we're seeing that shift of trying to bring those groups definitely has made a big progress with, with a lot of the early adopters, um, you know, still a ways off from, from, you know, no silos. There's always politics involved. Um, but we're definitely starting to see where people are start companies are starting to think more as one versus silos. We're trying to get there at least. And Jeff, twofold question, actually. One of them is kind of going back to that original, you know, 2010, 2012 days. First part is, is did you ever envision this AWS ecosystem growing the way it did, especially around the number of services, you know, back in those days, it would have been probably what five services on the dashboard, you know, less than 10 services on the dashboard kind of thing into the hundred plus approaching 200 services that we have these days. And, and if anything, what was like a really surprising trend that has happened over the last, uh, you know, seven to eight years or so? You know, humbly, that's a difficult question to answer. Uh, you know, we, we, when we started out, you know, I, I, our, our first deal, I think, was like $1,500, um, you know, way back in the day. And it was for probably some email migration. And as a startup, you know, you try to find your ways. And, and uh, you know, I would say once we became – a premier partner and, and saw the, the amount of people that Amazon was hiring and spent time around Amazon. Um, I think there was less surprise about innovation, less surprise about the rate of growth. You know, if you go back to when that CIA contract was started, 
and if you correlated that to investment firms, you know, once the government bets on something, hold on, because it's going to move. And essentially, that's what happened. Um, you know, and I would say kind of around that 2012, 2013, uh, you know, we're pretty confident that we're really confident we were onto something. Um, we had no idea that it would grow as quickly as it did and that the deal sizes would get exponentially larger, um, that skill sets in the marketplace would continue to be tight. Um, for cloud services, you know, and and at the rate that it went. Um, but I would say, you know, the initial burst was probably, you know, the most surprising. Since then, um, you know, year after year, it's meeting or exceeding our expectations, which are pretty high. Yeah. I think for customers, now, that being said, for customers, man, or even partners that are late to the party, um, what a tough spot to be in, you know, we, meaning somebody like myself and others that have been in this business, <clears throat> you know, for 10 or 11 years or close to 10 or 11 years are very familiar with a lot of the things that, 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 you know, we would consider basics, but might be, um, you know, daunting to a newcomer. An example of that is recently I was talking to a customer who was a late adopter um, and they were really trying to figure out, you know, TCO comparison and ROI comparison to running something on-prem. And, you know, it, it was a flashback because it was something we had to talk about in almost every meeting. And here I am years down the road speaking to a new adopter talking about it. And essentially they were taking the few, the, the five-year outlook of what um, storage requirements would be for this application and applying it to the, today's prices on the cloud. And essentially that formula doesn't work because today you might start with zero amount of data working your way up to, you know, a couple terabytes of data or whatever it happens to be. Um, same thing with CPUs, et cetera. And so building a data center is not the comparison, you know, building a data center for five years from now is not the comparison to what you cost out in the cloud for what you're actually using today. Um you know, and, and those things are are starting to surprise me that we're seeing them come back around, if you would. You know, one of the things that is always sort of publicly available, um, you know, it's great now that we're seeing more and more of the cloud providers kind of break out their revenue numbers. It helps us have a sense of how big they are. Um, you know, some of the big analyst firms will, you know, will dig a little bit into the numbers. But, you know, a lot of times we're still left wondering, you know, what's what's really trending um you know, what's, what's real, what sort of hype, what's being adopted and so forth. Um, you know, I know uh, our friends over at CloudAbility do a really nice job of, um, you know, kind of a state of the cloud report, and they sort of dug into things because they're very revenue centric. You guys wrote a really nice post at the end of 2018 that talked about, you know, kind of mapping up what AWS says are their popular services and, and what your customers are using. Um, so first and foremost, thanks for, for publishing that. It, it helps give us a sense of what's being used. Um, the, the two things that sort of jumped out at me, the first was, um, you know, the, the post mentioned that, uh, you know, some of the things you expect everybody's using, you know, uh, VPCs and, and S3 and EC2, sure, everybody used that. I was sort of surprised you guys mentioned that like nearly 100% of your customers are using DynamoDB. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about like what what is it about that, which is really kind of a, a next generation database um, attracts attracts your customers, or what what types of problems do they solve with that? 
Yeah, so let me let me set the stage for that report so that it's clear on what it is. So we've been doing this for I think about six years, and what we do is uh, we were doing it quarterly, but but moved it to annually. Is we're taking a look at our customers and seeing what percentage are using which products. And as you mentioned, EC2, S3, you know, some of these things are 100%. That's all customers are using those. Um, the big headline from last year versus this year is, and again, this might not be in a full constant running state over 12 months. Um, you know, we're seeing more customers test, more customers launch POCs, look at cloud native application or workloads. And so we're seeing more of, you know, what we call a cloud native type tools, whether it be DynamoDB, Kubernetes, um, and using those either through, you know, trying to test against others or it's a cloud native, you know, brand new application or it's around automation and and workloads. Um, And really saw that as a bigger jump this last year than we did the year before. There were a number of things this year that were released at reInvent, you know, that we will see towards the end of this year for our customers or the beginning of next year. Um, and our customer base is, you know, large enterprises, um, $1 billion or greater, right? So that's the population that we're looking at versus SMB type um, workloads. So it was interesting to see that more of our customers are looking at a broader tool set um, part of that may be that some of those customers we've worked with for many years, um, others might be some of our, our package service offerings that we're releasing, um, or the ability for different groups to, to start to test other tools um, within their organization. Yeah, and what's really fascinating to me, Jeff, is this this kind of trend, like you had mentioned earlier, some of the early days was a little bit more of this lift and shift mentality. And now you're starting to see more of the cloud native tools and services being used. And I really think this is, you know, a combination of the, the, the changes in, in certainly your business model, but also changes in kind of education of customers and education of the industry of, okay, if I have this platform, what is the best way to use this platform? And they're just willing to, you know, there's some of those applications have just reached a point where that lift and shift isn't necessarily working anymore. But that also, I kind of want to extend that point even one step further and say with technologies like Outpost being announced, um, you know, even though it's, it's maybe not generally out there yet, but after, you know, so many years of AWS kind of have this idea of, hey, it's either cloud or it's a legacy data center. And even Andy Jesse's keynotes over the years, like he used to not even talk about that. Then he kind of acknowledges it. Now he's kind of really gone all the way to where we're having a product on it. So how do you see this impacting the thought press process for customers um, or, or potential customers going forward? Yeah, um, I mean, that. there's a lot there to unpack, obviously. I think, you know, a couple of things, you know, that, that I would say is that, yes, there's been a fundamental shift in, you know, what, like you said, the, the actions and the behaviors of AWS. And I think it's just natural as they're the fastest growing, largest, you know, fastest growing and largest cloud technology provider um, that they're looking and going to continue to look ways to expand market share um you know outpost isn't a great example of something that um 
you know, is very interesting from, from a technology standpoint, along with the, you know, partnership with VMware, because it really allows VMware, you know, and I, I use the two kind of in combination, but it's more on the hybrid state. Um, you know, it opens up a huge customer base for AWS to, to, to market to and to get on the Kool-Aid, if you would. Um, it also opens up the door for a lot of different use cases for, um, you know, things that you could speculate about. So you have a bunch of these outpost devices out there that also could or could not be running with VMware. What do you do with the end use capacity? Do all of a sudden you create a bunch of, you know, opportunity and, and edge points out there, or different use cases that you could use the unused capacity out there. Um, you know, that's just one speculation. Um, but it, it definitely creates, you know, um, a, a broader use case for AWS outside of just moving to the cloud. Um, that being said, going back to your comment around migrations, you know, customers don't always just migrate a one for one. They're all, they're typically picking up some cloud native services, but the next generation that we're going to see is really around some of these new cloud services where a customer has migrated, maybe leveraged some things like RDS, et cetera. But now they're really ready to rewrite that application and they're looking at next gen services. Um, and, you know, that's, that's got a longer tail even than this migration phase that we've been in. And that's going to be really exciting, really innovative for customers to, to take part in. And, 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 go ahead. And Jeff, a quick follow-up on that too. How do you, envision this you know this concept of up, and, up until now you were learning services but you were learning services that you know have been hosted in aws data centers but but now you have to you know at some point go embrace this concept of outpost and and customer on-prem hardware and and let's be you know honest for a second all the nastiness that can go along with customers and data centers and and you know how networking is configured and how things are run and all of the different ways you can you know we've seen some very you know Brian and I coming from infrastructure backgrounds some very prescriptive ways to do that and they often don't work in most people's data centers because they're almost like snowflakes right everyone is just a little bit different and is that something you just see as a train coming at you or how do you how do you look at something like that you know, I, I don't see Second Watch as a company getting into the actual data hardware. Where Outposts, you know, data center hardware, where Outposts is interesting, especially in a VMware environment, you know, is being able to leverage leverage that, which the VMware piece in and of itself solves some problems, you know, around net, networking for like Oracle Rack as an example. Um, so we see it as, a potential way to, to, to broaden and, and quickly get customers onto the cloud. Um, not as, Hey, there's going to be all this stuff behind it. That's going to create more problems. Since we are so deep often working with central IT, you know, we're already, we're already migrating from those data centers and, and work with a lot of those. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, oddities, but more the the customization that they've done and have have created methodologies around tailoring that. So there are obviously challenges when you're dealing with large enterprises, but, you know, we see this as, as something that's going to streamline, you know, the ability to move the cloud quicker. So let me ask you one last question here real quick. Um, you know, uh, we, we talked a little bit about your customers becoming more comfortable with new technologies. Um, 
Do you have a sense, have you seen anything over the last, say, six months where, you know, there's sort of this uh, interesting, magical new combination of something fairly new in terms of the technology stack and customers being like, oh, you know, that that's solving this sort of really interesting problem or, so, you know, something where it's like, you know, they were amazed that this new thing was able to solve something really quick. Have you seen anything like that or are we still, you know, new stuff you've got to spend a lot of time experimenting with? Yeah. So the way I would phrase it is the analogy hasn't really changed where, you know, cloud technology is like a Ferrari and you put that in the hands of a 15 year old, it's going to be scary. Same thing happens when they innovate with these new products. Um, we still have a long way. I wouldn't say a long ways because it's you know, we have we're still a ways off um, from companies being able to embrace fully these new technologies. That's not a bad thing. It's just part of the maturity, um, and you know it, it creates a long tail for a business model for for us and for Amazon. Um, but you know, twenty twenty and beyond, we're going to see more and more innovative things. And I think as People in the marketplace, whether it's Capital One, General Electric, or how Amazon, you know, f- is you know looking at, at you know brick and mortar and grocery stores and, and innovating and, and checkouts, etc. Um, you know, I think we're going to see companies from a competitive standpoint increase not their gamble, but increase their investment in um, expediting customer experience and providing you know, a higher quality experience is more reliable, easier to use. Um, and we're going to see some great technology advances here in the next couple of years. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, listen, Aaron, I think we're going to wrap it up with that. Um, lots of really good insight this week. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being on. And, um, you know, it's, it's been great to sort of get a, get a perspective from somebody who was there in the very early days and, and is now, uh, you know, really helping to, to, help customers really change their business and deliver it in new ways. So thank you so much for being on. If folks want to, uh, you know, engage with, with second watch or kind of reach out to you folks, what's the, what's the easiest way to do that or to reach out to you? Uh, visit our website. Uh, we've got a number of ways to contact us on there at www.secondwatch.com. Really appreciate catching up with you guys again and, and look forward to seeing you in the future. Very good. Well, for Jeff and for Aaron, thanks everybody for listening this week. We always appreciate it. We appreciate you telling a friend and rating the show on iTunes. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 